0: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us in this episode of Taking the Road Less Traveled Through a Disrupted World with David Irvin and myself, Allie Stone. Our intent in this podcast is to have open-hearted, real conversations about our authentic journey through this disrupted time in our world. And we also feel that what we learn from this journey will be able to apply to an emerging new world when we come out the other side. In our commitment to make a difference to difference makers, we want to use this podcast to explore what's happening in this time in our lives and as well as what's happening in the lives of those of you who are committed to making a difference, making a difference, the authentic way. Now, David's mission is to connect leaders to their authentic selves which inspires and enables them to have a meaningful impact on their organizations, communities, and even their families. David says leadership at its core is about influence and it has nothing to do with our titles or the letters behind our names or even the sizes of our offices. Leadership is about the capacity to inspire others to action. It truly is about making a difference.
1: And Allie Stone has joined me on this journey as she has a deep understanding of what it means to lead authentically. She has spent the last 15 years of her career exploring what caring leadership looks like and how organizations can be built from the heart and still be truly successful. For Ali, leadership is life. She believes anything involving human connection is all interconnected in the experience of living. And she is passionate about working with other leaders who are inspired to create something similar it is her belief that sharing her lessons will help other leaders gain deeper insights and understanding as to the infinite possibility that lies ahead for each of us when we connect with our hearts
0: we're back with the other everest for another week and um we started something new last week we started this kind of idea of exploring a question rather than a topic and I I like this Dave I hope you like this too this is going to be going to be fun I like I like the idea of just kind of opening our minds as well to a question rather than maybe closing it or narrowing in with a topic so let's see where this goes today so I wrote this question down this morning I'm just going to read it off my phone to make sure I get it right because I I thought it was I thought it was being really smart when I sent it to you (laughs) I spent a lot of time thinking about this this weekend. So let's just dive right in. So um, what I was proposing today is what does psychological safety do for a leader and their team? And then how is it created? So how do leaders create psychological safety in their organizations, on their teams, with the people they work with? And um, what's the benefit? Why engage? Right? Uh, it's challenging. <laughs> Creating psychological safety is tough. So let's dive in. Oh, I didn't welcome you. I'm sorry. Dave. <laughs> it's always nice to see you here.
1: <laughs> I was good. That was good. <laughs> I have to
0: <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> So let's, let's talk about this psychological safety. Um, I know you have a lot of thoughts around it. So um, maybe I'll let you kick off your thoughts and I'll hop in with kind of my, my real life experiences I was thinking of this weekend. And um, yeah, let's just engage in some conversation around it.
1: Well, the whole notion of psychological safety is probably something I've been working with since I was a family therapist back in the early 1980s. Uh, The whole concept was really brought into focus around with Amy Edmondson's work around creating a fearless organization. And what was that actually the, the, you know, so it's, so she helped me put words to what I've been really reflecting on and thinking about for probably the last 35 plus years. So what, why do we care about psychological safety? And what is it actually? And so if we go back to understand the stress response, When people are under stress, what happens? And when people don't feel safe, they go into a stress response. Mm -hmm. And it's called a sympathetic response, a fight, flight, or freeze. It's a biological response that the body has to respond to safety, to respond to danger. And it's a human response. And it accesses when you're in a stress response, your brain, and you know this from your work with meditation and what you teach about how the brain works. uh, When you're in a stress response, it accesses a different side of your brain than when you're relaxed. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine right now, just as a listener, if you can just imagine, I'll give you a very, just a concrete example about this. I'm going to take it to an extreme, but to illustrate the importance, vital importance of psychological safety. So um, if you can imagine thinking about a work project you currently have in front of you right now, that's going to take some innovation, it's going to take some creativity, it's going to take some problem solving, it's going to take some thinking. Now just begin to think about that project at this moment, and what it's going to take to bring that project to fruition, whatever is in your world, okay? Now imagine that the door that you get a knock on your office door or if you're working at home, it's your back door and a knock on. And you go and open the door and there's a person with a gun pointing at you. Now, I want you to now continue in this moment, I want you to continue to think about that project and being creative and innovative and uh, how you're gonna solve that problem at work. Well, it's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Your brain is incapable of accessing that ability when you have gone in because you've just gone into a stress response and now you have to deal with the gun and so all of your energy is going to be spent how do I handle this situation and your body has gone into a response because it's survival right now now I've made that obviously um, you know a, a blatant example but that's actually what happens if you come to work and people are chronically in a stress response. If you work for a boss that's, for example, isn't making it safe, you don't, you don't know when the next gun is going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's like living with rage in a family. You, if, you, if, if you have an unpredictable boss who you don't know is going to come in one day with a gun and the next day happy, you, you might as well live with a gun all the time. And so if you have put your team into a stress response and then expected them to act on the maximum capacity to build their projects, it's not going to happen. It's more subtle, but frankly, the body doesn't know the difference between psychological safety and physical safety. And we've talked, it's easy to measure physical safety if people don't feel physically safe, but what Amy has done with her work around psychological safety is she's really helped put words to this whole notion of creating a psych, not just a physical safe organization, physically safe organization, but a psychologically safe. Because if you're if if your body is in stress response, uh, you are not gonna get the best out of your, out of your people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to mention yeah. the fact that you're not going to even enjoy coming to work if you have to be on guard and be managing the stress level of living in an organization that's not stress. It's complete wasted energy and it's unhealthy for people. Yeah. What are your what's your take on it? Because you've been you've been creating a safe organization for the last 15 years in the mm-hmm. restaurant business. And so you know well about how to create a safe place. What happens to people if they don't feel safe? And how do you what's your take on it, Allie?
0: Like trying to, right? So it's always, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect or that, you know, we're perfect with it. We're we're always trying. And I think that, you know, that's part of um the experience, right? Of leading in humans. And we we have to deal with the things that set us off as leaders and work on our triggers so that we create these safe environments for people. But the thing that always comes to my mind with like psychological safety is that fear is a bit insidious. Like it kind of grows and manifests and um, kind of turns into this thing that's underneath everything and just slowly like chewing away from the core (laughs) to the outside. So by the time it reaches the outside, it's really, really bad. So um, when I started off and said, psychological safety isn't easy, it's not easy because you have to actually be like, um, not be afraid to go and revisit a situation that didn't land well with you, whether you're sure, not sure if the other person felt that way or not, (laughs) you have to be willing to be the leader who says, you know what, like I totally made a mistake or I'm not sure if I'm approaching this properly, or if I'm seeing this from a perspective that supports everybody and be really open to being vulnerable and open to conversation about it. The moment, um, I start to shut down or get angry or get triggered or get emotional. I'm no longer coming from that space. So there's no, um, there's no sense of psychological safety, whether I'm like actually interacting with somebody at that point or not, I'm still, it's, it's an energy that ripples through an entire organization. Right. And so um, I think I go through this almost every day (laughs) and I almost like every day, I'm like, okay, like did that, you know, I, I had said something in our leadership meeting, Uh, we were doing a planning session to one of the, one of the leaders, and I kind of challenged her on her goals. And, but I knew, like, I knew as soon as I said it, it came across in a way that she, you know, it wasn't necessarily my intention, but I didn't make it safe for her to really say what was on her mind. And I had to like, I came back, we had us all in like little breakout rooms and I came back in five minutes and I was like, look, (laughs) I, you know, we need to talk about this because this is a, this is a really important time while you're goal setting and B, you know, it's never my intention to make you feel unsafe. And I think I did there. And so I was really open about it. Um, but it's like the, the, we used to call it the Jekyll and Hyde manager, <laughs> it's like the worst thing ever. Right when you're not sure how somebody's going to respond. So there's two, two forms of Jekyll and Hyde. There's either that you're just not sure what you're going to get out of that person that day. You could like walk in and they'd be like the sweetest person in the world, or they're like the werewolf tearing your throat out. (laughs) Or the other form of Jekyll and Hyde that I've come across is somebody who just kind of like sits in the background, but then their only contribution is negative. It's like a, a little bite here and a little bite there and a little bite there. And that doesn't like that creates no sense of safety to be a part of that team or to be a leader of a team. And it's just like really, really challenging. And so what this all comes down to for leaders anyway, the psychological safety is understanding what's affected us in our lives, because all of this is all people's stuff. <laughs> so we're going to get triggered and we're, we're going to be continually triggered, right? But when we have, are in an organized, so I know what it's like to work in an organization where there isn't psychological safety. I know that I've been in a few. And what happens is it's not necessarily the attack of the Jekyll and Hyde manager that is the worst part. It's the always being afraid. It's the always being scared, always watching your back, always, you know, stepping sideways out of the way to make sure that. You know, and and never using your voice, really, right? So um, I think it's really important. I think it's a really important piece of leadership, and it's a really important piece of the authentic journey <laughs> of a leader, right? Because to create psychological safety, whether it's in your family or with a team or in an organization, you have to do the work to know who you are first, to know what triggers you, to know what hurts you. Know what's at the core of you know, the kind of darkness, the things that upset you, and you don't really want to admit to the world, but those are gonna come to the front as a leader, and you have to figure out how to how to navigate those. Um, and I always say, you know, sometimes some of some of our leaders will come to me and say, you know, I didn't handle this well. And I'll say, It's not about perfection, it's just about persistence. And the persistence to me is in the follow-up and going back and saying. I'm sorry. I could have handled that differently. Here's how this made me feel feel. And I think even though there's been some like, um, breaks maybe in trust when we circle back and we say, I'm sorry, I understand that, you know, I would never want that done to me. I'm sorry. I did that to you. There's a way bigger building of trust in the long run. It just takes a little longer to build it up. So, um, That was a rant. (laughs) Sorry.
1: What I'm hearing you say is you have to be intentional around creating a climate where people feel safe. You cannot afford to take this for granted. You can't afford to do this by default because people from the time that we are two years old, we are not taught to be direct. From the time we can talk, if not earlier than that, we are are not taught to be direct with people in authority. We are taught, we have all kinds of messages. So just before I go there, I just wanna say, this is the message that I would like really hammered home to our listeners. And this is it. What happens in the micro happens in the macro. What that means, is that you can lose your temper once a month and not think a big deal out of it. For you, it's, it's the micro. You know, oh, so what? I lose my temper, but you know what? 19 out of 20 days, I come to work in a good mood. It doesn't work that way. If you lose your temper once a month, you might as well lose it every day because you have now put your staff, your team, in a position of being in a stress response to guard against the next temper. Either um, know that, uh, so, so the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he said, well, I'm, I'm good half the time. It doesn't work that way. We'd probably be okay if we could schedule when we're going into a, into a temper, but it doesn't work that way. It, if, if it happens at all, it always happens. Um, it wouldn't be so bad if your parents would schedule it and say, at 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon, I'm going to go into a rage. I'm going to lose my temper. Don't take it personally. But just be on guard. You might want to stay you know, away from the house during that hour that I have a temper tantrum. But it doesn't work that way. Because you're always on guard. And so we're not taught, you know, when we're little. I don't. How many of you have ever been bored in a class? This is what I ask my audiences all the time. And anybody that's been to school has been bored. And then I ask, how did you deal with it? How many of you raised your hand and said to the teacher, excuse me, but I'm bored? Now, no, I would never do that because it would feel like it's an attack on the disrespectful. But the reason we actually wouldn't do that is because we would be punished for being direct. And so what we do is that we get taught how to be indirect. And so we complain about. We do it what I call indirect. So we complain about it. We throw spitballs. We make it exciting, um, or uh, we complain about it after the class. We have the meeting after the meeting, and this happens all the time in organizations. You have the meeting, and then you have the hallway meeting, mm-hmm. or the bathroom meeting, and the the and, and we never have the meeting about the real meeting. And what what leaders relentlessly have to do is. It's safe to have the real meeting here. I may not agree with it, I might not like it, but we have to make it safe. And we have to continually reinforce that it's okay for people to be direct with us. Now you get a new staff and you'll say, you'll say to them, a new team member come in and you'll say, you know, it's okay to be direct with us. If you're not happy here, you can be direct with us. Oh, thanks. How long does it take? Even if you make it safe, it takes on wow. average six six months, is what research will say it takes for a person to risk. Why? Why is that? Because of all the years of experience that they've had not being safe, being direct. Yeah. And so we have to create a, an environment where people can challenge us, can really tr- tell the truth when it's when we're speaking to power and have it be safe. And we have to. Pick on people in our teams that know that okay, they, there's a history here, and, and you can sh- demonstrate that you can be you can publicly challenge the boss, as yeah. long as it's done in a respectful way. So, I just one last thing, and then I'll get off on my, on on, my, on off on my from my rant. But it, there's a difference between saying to a teacher, "I'm bored." Now, whose problem is that? Well, you didn't criticize anybody. You just made a statement. I'm bored. I don't, if I'm a secure teacher, I'm not going to take that personally. I'm going to say, well, that's your problem. Let me, let's talk about it so I can help resource you and help you find a solution to your problem. But that's not my problem. That's different than saying you're boring. Now that's an attack on the teacher. Mm -hmm. And so what we need to do also in authentic communicating is teach people how to express directly what they're going through so that they don't invite another person to get defensive by attacking them. So being honest and direct, you know, and you and I talk about this, that it takes two things to be authentic. You have to be honest, but you also have to be respectful. Yeah. Don't take it personally when someone's being honest. And this is where a, a leader will often will often put uh, punish people for being direct if they feel insecure, and feel attacked inadvertently.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like, um, you know, you're talking about the macro, the micro, it's it's all the same. And, and what happens, right? And you said you start living in this perpetual state of fear and stress. And the real problem is that our brains are primal. And so they don't know the difference. They don't know that it's it's not gonna kill us. So we're actually living in a state of high fear, high stress, high anxiety. And so as you're talking, like we're having this conversation about leadership, right? And and people who are leading teams, but I also would like to maybe just take a moment to say, like, if you are a part of a team like this right now, you need to try to recognize it. (laughs) You need to decide if it's somewhere you, that's supportive for you. But maybe, just maybe there's also an opportunity to start to talk about psychological safety with that team and start to change the narrative and start to, it. you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I can't change anything because I'm, I'm not the leader. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's true in some circumstances, but we never know if we don't try. And if it's something that you value and you know you're living that way and you know it's not good for you and you know it's not good for the people around you, Maybe it's worth starting to try to have a conversation with some of the leaders about that in, in that authentic communication style. That's not finger pointing. It's that this isn't healthy and it's not supporting the growth of our organization. And I mean, there's so many things, right? Like you're talking about creativity and innovation and all these things you can point to retention. <laughs> retention is low in a fear-based environment, right? You that always, it's always low. And um, so, I mean, there's so many things you could point to if you did decide to be that person who's going to try to be a bit of a spokesperson to see if you could change some of that narrative in your own organization. So I think if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not a leader, I can't do anything about it, and I'm living in this, I would encourage you to try to do some research to learn about it and engage in the conversation in an open, communicative, (laughs) authentic, honest, respectful way and see what comes of it.
1: Absolutely. So let me summarize. You know, this be a good conversation. Good question. Next week is how do you actually build a psychologically safe place to work in, and why don't we have that? Let's table that for our next uh, podcast. But when you say retention's low, uh, if people have an option, they'll leave the organization if they don't feel safe. Uh, worse yet, if they don't have an option, they'll quit and stay, which mm-hmm. is even you know even worse that what will happen is you just shut off and you tune out and protect yourself and build a wall around yourself and you're not engaged.
0: Yeah. That's so so I, I
1: just want to leave another thought just with, with our listeners here. Regardless of, if I mean, if you obviously, if you're a positional leader, start to have the conversation with your team around psychologically psychological safety. We'll talk this more next time around how do you assess it and how do you build it? And how do you know whether people feel safe around you. I think that's a that's another question that we could explore in a future podcast mm-hmm. and we will. But let me just say if you're not a positional leader, let's suppose you're listening to this and you don't feel safe right now in your organization. Mm-hmm. I just want to build on what you had started is don't just assume that you've got a boss that's not that's not creating safety for you. Because you could just say, "Well, I'm going to leave here." But may I always say before you leave, make sure you Don't miss the lesson. And what's the lesson for you if you're not feeling safe? So one of the lessons might be is how much is my lack of safety coming before I came to work here? For example, if you grew up in a family where you lived in trauma, you live in an unpredictable, alcoholic, addictive, abusive family, and you might have a belief, a frame of reference in the world that anybody in authority figure is not safe. And you might inadvertently be bringing that belief into your culture. And so I would just begin to ask yourself, where in your life have you been around authority figures? And is this a pattern for you that every time you're around an authority figure, you don't feel safe? Well, it may not be. It may be selective to this particular boss. But just make sure you ask the question and take responsibility for your own sense of. You'll never feel safe anywhere if you're if you haven't really taken the dragon of trauma and looked that dragon in the eye and dealt with old trauma in your life. That's right. the first thing. Some people just carry, you know, a sense of fear around them all the time and then project it onto their boss. And then you know, so if this is a co-creation between uh, in. Imp- you know, between team members feeling safe and, and making sure that their lack of safety is related specifically just to this environment and also the positional leader creating a safe environment. Mm -hmm.
0: Regardless, any way you look at it, there's an opportunity to learn whether you are looking to create safety or you're looking to find safety, whatever that is, there's always an opportunity. To learn and become more self-aware.
1: That's what we're after here. So I hope this was this is a very useful conversation for me and very, uh, very uh, life-giving. So I hope it's useful to you as a listener.
0: Thank you so much for joining us once again for another episode of The Other Everest. It's our mission to continue to bring you engaging, heartwarming, and inspiring content. So if you have any feedback or suggestions, please feel free to visit davidirvin.com at any time as we would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate it or subscribe or simply share the episodes with people you know who would also enjoy this conversation. Authentic leaders create ripples in time. Those ripples extend to generations yet unborn. And it's not just impact in the here and now, but impact in here and forever. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for being a part of this journey with us. Until we meet again.